0: Yeah, Emily and I both bought new cars like within the last two years, and you get like this six month free satellite radio. And I spent that whole time listening to like old timey radio shows, don't tell anyone, and Howard Stern. (laughs) Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Little Red Bandwagon. That's the LRB. It's your safe place where you can talk about and think about and hear about TBTL, uh, without being judged. So, um, let me tell you what's going on the, on the show tonight. Um, we're going to have our TBTLism of the day. We have a good one for you tonight. Um, it'll, will explain the origins of the Stens and the Stens page. Um, we have a guest on to do a TBTL history clip and that is uh, a tale of Jennifer's survival. Um at the end we're gonna we have a couple of items on housekeeping you're gonna want to hear about and then how to get involved with the show. But our guest tonight who uh is Phyllis Fletcher. Before I introduce Phyllis, let me um let me give my history with Phyllis. It was about six months ago I heard I think I heard on TBTL that Phyllis um someone that Luke knew named Phyllis who worked at KUOW had married into the Taco Time royalty family and I think I'd heard Phyllis's name before from my, my friend Bill and some other people that I know that work at KUOW and I thought, well, I think I know enough people in common where I can reach out to her because I've been so obsessed with the Taco Time story about their franchising and and how the stores that are right around Seattle all seem to have their stuff together and then the further you get away from Seattle, <laughs> you know, like the Gooey Duck Tacos and stuff is going on, you don't... <laughs> you don't have any idea what are they doing so i reached out to phyllis and i and i asked her and she didn't have a lot of information for me but what i did discover is one of the nicest people i've ever met so um i've been i've been going back and forth with phyllis for a while then she started appearing on tbtl which made it easy for us now to have her on the show welcome phyllis
1: Oh, thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be on here and I've heard every single episode of your show. So <laughs> I'm All very right. excited to be down with the LRB.
0: <laughs> You're a completist. And, um, here's the, here's the thing about Phyllis. A lot of people in the tens community don't know, uh, about Phyllis. They think she's a fangirl. Phyllis <laughs> is a professional <laughs> broadcaster. And, and one of the reasons that it really clicked to get in touch with her was like, I was listening to, um, I think it, I don't know, um, weekend edition. And, Uh and I heard one of Phyllis's stories on this national program and I thought, yeah, that's the same person. I really need to talk to that person. And here's the thing. Phyllis has won an Edward R. Murrow award people. (laughs) So how about Jake on Facebook? Why are you on our show? Why?
1: Because <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> this is awesome. I've been looking forward to this, and and um, I had your producer Jeremy mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. walk me through my tech setup on Sunday. I wanted Give to be me. very prepared, so this is fun for me. <laughs> She's
2: slumming it with us.
0: <laughs> yeah, she, Phyllis, Phyllis is a pro, and if you, if anyone on Facebook read Jake has a problem with her, <laughs> come at me. And I'm an ex felon and and I'm not afraid to die. So.
1: <laughs> well, you know, as, as I told the guys, um or I guess the guy, Andrew, on the show the other day, um, I mean I I was I'm I can be very self-conscious about going on because I know that um, you know, the key is that I have to be interesting to the tens, and the tens are interested in what luke and andrew are interested Mm in um you know that's it's pretty much the overlap and so um i tried to take the critique uh for what it was that it wasn't intended to be hurtful and that it was just someone who like me was trying to enjoy the show so um you know i know how people use radio and imaginary radio and they expect it to be a certain way when they tune in um Mm -hmm. they're not necessarily looking for uh surprises and so i try to be mindful of that uh when i'm on the show and when i'm on your show right now
0: well i know the the question that is on everyone's mind is <laughs> what is the deal are uh, uh, do you uh, is it going to be a regular thing are you going to be a, just on fridays are you going to be the fill-in host during like summer vacations and such what do you do, have you guys made an agreement on this or is it just play it by ear
1: you guys know what i know i i've, I've told them i'll I'll be happy to help out in any way i can um mm-hmm. even just as a fan you know uh because i just love the show so much uh so that that part of the analysis of me is true i am <laughs> i am just a fan um and uh you know but i also like them i've been in broadcasting for a long time right. and, and they've known me from that so um that's how i originally know them is from working in radio but but I, I told them as much as I can do to help, I, I mm-hmm. will. I mean, as Andrew said, I do have a demanding full time plus yeah. uh, radio job. But um, if they, if they need help or could use me in some way, I, I, I'm happy to do it. And so I hope to get as many chances to do that as I can.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds like they, they have a plan for you, but they're not always the best at, at communicating. <laughs> so,
1: so, well, it, you know, it's, um, I. If if they do, um, that will be just lovely. I'll be so thrilled if, if it turns <laughs> out that that's the case. But I'm sure that, you know, I mean, they, they have, um, you know, they're trying to, uh, you know, do what Steve wants to do. You know, that's mm-hmm. the most important thing, I'm sure. So, um, you know, I'm sure that they're just on whatever track they need to be on with Steve. Mm-hmm.
2: So, Mike, you think that's the question that's on everyone's mind? Mine is, <laughs> do you get free Mexi fries?
1: <laughs> I've never tried <laughs> to get what? any free Mexi fries. Oh, I've but always you've paid upfront. Oh, I've eaten many a Mexi okay, Fry. Okay. Oh yeah. Even before I married in uh and became Taco Time Royalty, <laughs> um I would go to Taco Time with my mom as a kid all the time.
0: See, Christy, I skipped through all these questions because I got all my <laughs> answers in a in a direct <laughs> message.
2: <laughs> I mean I didn't even know the Taco <laughs> Time connection. This is new. Day. Oh, I wanna oh, scrap yeah. the interview and go straight to Taco Time. <laughs> of course. well no,
1: this this is great. Um gosh, how did this come up? I I uh I sent Luke a message on Facebook when after I started listening to the show. I started saying, you know, like saying, Oh my god, I loved when you talk about this, I loved when you talk about that, blah blah blah. blah. And he talked about Taco Time enough that I said, you know, I don't know if you know this about me, but did you know I married in to the Taco Time family, and I explained the connection and, and how I married in, and he was like, you have no idea how impressed I am with this right now. <laughs> and he told me his whole history of Taco Time, <laughs> and you know how he, um, he and his dad made signs for Taco Time when he was a kid, and, and he would get kind of paid in Taco Bucks, and he told me <laughs> the whole thing. And it was really cool. And I said, you know, I, so I see that branch of the family at holidays, and I'm going to tell them that that I saw you and I'm going to explain what a podcast is and mm-hmm. all this stuff. And so, and I did. And they remembered Walter, um, Luke's oh, dad. That's and, oh, that's cute. Yeah, it's they great. thought that was really neat. Yeah, they thought it was neat. And they were excited to hear what he was up to.
0: Phyllis, I think it's time for you to hyphenate your last name to Fletcher's time. Mm-hmm. Fletcher Time.
1: Fletcher Time. Yeah, Tea Time.
0: Just to announce your presence with Taco Time Authority every time. Well,
2: And then we have Sean DeTori that worked it at Taco Time through high school. Which one did he work at? He worked at the Redmond one, the Bear Creek. Okay. Um, And my brother-in-law lived there or worked there. And Uh his dream is when he retires is to buy a Taco Time. Yeah. He still talks about it.
0: Yeah, it'd be great. Did you know that that particular location um, You robbed it? Emily points to as her demise into... Into weight gain when she was oh. staying with me for a summer. <laughs> and I, li- I lived less than a mile away from that place.
1: Taco time will uh, add the LBs. That's yeah. for sure. Crispy chicken burritos,
0: everyone. Oh, Crispy is that- chicken burritos. Oh, okay.
1: that was her, is that it?
0: That was her jam.
1: My thing is the beef soft taco. But you mm-hmm. know what they had for a little while that I really loved was the, um they had a chicken chorizo. Oh my God, that was good. Yes. Food. Oh, and, yes. Yeah, you remember that? <laughs> That was oh, on chorizo, point, man. chorizo
0: is my secret love. Yep. Chorizo, mm-hmm. I would leave my wife for chorizo <laughs> if that were in any way possible. <laughs> that would
1: be a short-lived marriage. It was delicious. And I used to bring that up at family gatherings like, yeah, I really like the chicken chorizo. And they tried to kind of hint, you know, it's it's only a special thing. It's not going to be around mm. for that long. And then sure enough, when it was gone, I brought it up again and they were like – Yeah, you know, we just had that for a little while. And you could tell they had probably (laughs) explained that to a million people about a million million times. And I was like, wow, I just did the equivalent of like someone – telling me that their favorite public radio show had been canceled or something. Well,
0: here, here's the thing. I, I've worked in the restaurant industry for a long time in a lot of different positions. And when a menu item goes away, yeah. it doesn't even matter if no one ever ordered it. Like like your your bucket of chorizo just sat there and rotted. As yeah. soon as you take it off the menu, yeah. there's people... Where's my chorizo? <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. So yeah, I've, I've had that look many times where we take something uh. off the menu and people are asking about it. I was like... Where were you a month ago when this stuff was, you know, festering <laughs> yeah. under, the, under the counter?
1: Right. <laughs> yep. Yeah, people want what they want. You know, I did. So I don't know. In, you're in Austin, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. So do they have bubble tea down there?
0: Yeah. Uh, bubble do. tea. We have a regular spot for that. Okay. Um. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So breakfast tacos, a- flautas, those are our things.
1: Okay. Yeah. So bubble tea got huge here. I don't know, like five years ago or six years ago something like that and and there's a guy on the Av who had um peanut and that was my favorite but he always used to Mm. run out and i think sometimes he wouldn't order it and and whenever he wouldn't have it i'd be like um man you know that's my favorite and he would go is not popular and i'd say but (laughs) but it's so good and he would say is your favorite is not popular is not (laughs) and i was like Oh, yeah. I mean, it's and, and once again, it's just like people telling me, oh, I love, you know, blah, 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 obscure public radio show that went away, you know, and it's like, mm-hmm. yes, I understand that was your favorite. <laughs> it yeah. was not but popular. But no
0: one else listened yeah. and we lost a lot of money. <laughs> right, trying right. To make it. Yeah.
1: I was like, oh, I was so glad he said that to me.
0: <laughs> so uh, tell us your history with TBTL. How did you start listening? And are you a completist there as well?
1: I I am aiming to become a completist, so I'm a completist in waiting. So I started listening in November, and um, like it was, this November? Yeah, November wow. 2014. Yeah, I had um, I had run into Luke twice. I had I had been on the air with him. And before that, I had hung out with him at a public radio program director's conference that he talked about in September when he went mm-hmm. to see Wits, which, um, is, is somewhat of a show that he talked about feeling a uh, rivalry with and then sure. feeling conflicted about even feeling the rivalry. <laughs> and, um, I was, because, I was hanging because out with
0: he him. and the, because <laughs> he and the host of Wits, John Moe, um, Go all the way back to when they used to work for Bill Radke on Rewind. So they're that's right. These guys are rising stars in pop and public radio, and they come from the yep. same place.
1: That's right, and they're both really, really good. And oh, they're great. Um, they're funny they're guys. Both, both of them. They're both part of the Infinite Guest podcast network, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. and um and so I. I hung out with Luke in September um, at that conference, running into him and going to see Wits together. And he talked about that on the show. And um, And then a couple months later, I was on the air with him on a Week in Review uh, news segment that KUOW, yeah. our public radio station, does. And uh, so we were on together as guests. And, um, and we just kind of chit-chatted a little bit before and after. And I met Carrie and Luke's brother, David. And something about... Seeing him that second time, I was like, what is up with me? I know he has a podcast. I should, like, listen to this. I'm sure it's great. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's so great on the air and so fun to hang out with. I, sh- I should listen to this. So I figured out how to get the podcast because I li- didn't listen to any other podcasts. And um, I saw that they had done an obituary uh, episode for um, Tom Maliazzi of Car Talk. And I listened to that and I just thought it was great um, because they had such specific things and feelings about Car Talk that I could completely understand and relate to. And, um, you know, as, as far as really respecting the path they cut in public radio. But at the same time, the fact that it was such a legacy show was also emblematic of public radios having yeah. uh, issues with moving on from things. Mm-hmm. And, and, the, um, and the,
0: aging, the aging demographic. Yeah. You, you don't want to let go of that money. Yep.
1: Yep. And the aging hosts and like, what's what's Mm -hmm. your plan? You know, what's your succession plan? And they just talked about all of that in such an interesting way. And I still remember Andrew saying, you know, if public radio were going to develop a show now about cars, it would be called Speaking of Cars. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it would be very like overproduced Mm -hmm. and overthought and overwrought. And I just thought, Yeah. You know, and I just so identified with everything they were saying. I just kept listening after that. And then I said, you know, I should go back to, um, you know, and then I started sending Luke and Andrew like insane notes about all these things that they had said, you know, just like, oh, I really liked when you said this and you said that, and I'm sure completely overwhelmed them. And then, um, I started going farther and farther back in my listening and, um, I said, well, let me go back to when I ran into Luke in September. And so I did that. And I was really surprised and touched and pleased that he mentioned having hung out with me to watch and that I made him feel better with something I said. And so <laughs> I still remember being like, oh, like I got a little choked up. I was, you <laughs> know, t- you usually don't hear that you had made a difference even right. in a small way in somebody's life. And so um, I was just so pleased that that not only had he shared that with people but that it actually made him feel better in the moment that was maybe kind of tough and so um i just kept going back and back and back how did you decide where where to go i mean wh- well what i decided i kept picking different points to go back and listen forward okay. to and catch up so first i just listened to the last 20 episodes that my phone would show me and then i stayed current with the show and then i went back to september um, and when I saw mm-hmm. Luke and listened forward to November and then in the best ofs in December, people, s- I remember by then I was kind of checking out the Stens page and people were saying, how come tax day didn't make it in as a best of? So I said, okay, now I'm going to go back to April and listen to tax day with Andrew not doing his taxes on time and listen from <laughs> then to September. And then I said, well, this is kind of weird because Now I kind of want to go back to the Super Bowl. Well, I should just go back to January of 2014 and listen from them to April. And so I finished that like, I don't know, a month ago or something. And then I decided I would go back to January 2013. This is this
0: is interesting. (laughs) Christy, would this ever occur to you to do it this way? No, but
2: I like it because, you know, I like lists and and spreadsheets that this, this is a very
1: great way to do it, I think.
0: So, well, when you're when you're doing this, Phyllis, and you mm-hmm. go back to January, and then yeah, then you're, so now I'm rolling. in June
1: 2013. By the way, so that's where I am you, right now.
0: You're 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 in June 2013, and the yeah. reference now it seems like you're constant. You're you're constantly like caught in an undertow of references.
1: I am, and so it's cool because it kind of helps me understand and fill in some blanks of things that they say now. But and it's also kind of cool because. I remember when Andrew was at that point, he was new doing his Cairo show. So that stuff is starting to come up. Um, And um, also in it. So, I mean, part of what's confusing about it is sometimes when they have me come on, on, on Fridays and talk on the phone about what I liked in the show, I have to mentally separate. Okay. Did that happen this oh, week oh, or did yeah. that happen like two years ago? Um, yeah. So I try to be really um, conscientious about that. But um, I mean, it's kind of cool because in my, you know, TBTL alternate, Timeline, Luke just got married. So that's fun. Oh, okay. <laughs> so it's – yeah, it's weird. I'm, I have this very bifurcated TBTL life going on in my head. Unfortunately,
0: and so- there was also a big school shooting. That was unfortunate that that happened very recently mm-hmm. that – the Connecticut school shootings for you oh, had to be a- yeah
1: so yeah so yeah that was December 2012 and so I heard that referenced as a rerun uh, that we will be listening to shortly right, uh, but right. but yeah it's um it's it's kind of neat to hear them bring up things from their lives and from the news that were um you know that were that were going mm-hmm. on back then and so in a way so I'm open to suggestions other than just going back to Januarys. Of right. how to do this. And so I'm thinking if if there's a point where there was a like, you know, maybe Andrew's first time on the show or um, Luke's first episode in uh, Burbank Studios de Bajo or just like different points where something changed, I would be open to doing that. But otherwise, I'm just going back to January's. Yeah,
2: I although I like how you're doing, it, it's kind of a beautiful mind where you're putting, you know, all over and making, you mm-hmm. know strings attaching things like
0: solving a murder mystery. Right. Yeah. You know, but- <laughs> like detectives. Yeah. yeah,
2: But my yeah. OCD is I had to go back to the very beginning and go forward. There yeah. was a 10 and I don't remember their name. I wish I did that would listen to. So, you know, today's May 7th. They would listen to all of the episodes on May 7th. Oh,
1: that's fun.
2: And then they would write to Jen and Luke. So this was, is this was a while ago and say hmm. on this day, You were doing this. And then that's when they started doing uh, this day in TVTL history. And they would pull a course.
0: Someone's producing your segment. You're not going to say no (laughs) to that. You can't
2: not do it, right? Yeah. So that's a fun way to do it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. I've
0: been trying to trick Jeremy into doing stuff like that all the time. (laughs)
2: Because you can can, um, see kind of how the world's changed year after year,
0: too.
1: Yeah, really. Yeah, that would be interesting. I like that idea. That's cool.
0: Well, um we let, let's do our TV tellism of the day and okay. then I'll set up the uh clip. Uh what do we have this week, Christy? Um
2: stents. This has been asked for a couple times. So the Stens came about because they started this was back when They weren't on the radio anymore.
0: No, wait, wait, Wait. Christy. I think when when we have a guest on and and I'm not sure if they know, let's let them take a shot at it. Because I I I think it predates her time listening. Uh, What's your guess (laughs) at the Sten's story?
1: I believe I have a pretty educated guess here Okay, because I have looked this up. So I believe that the S in Stens stands for Stick'Em or cam. I've heard people pronounce yep, it both yep, ways. Yep. And so this was a webcam type system where when, um, I believe, like Christy was saying that the show was in Burbank Studios de Bajo. And uh, so he was doing the show out of his house and, um, and they, the, there was like a, a webcam hangout mm-hmm. where, um, people could watch them doing the show. So that's what I think the S stands for Mm -hmm. in stens. You
2: got it. There was also a chat function attached to it. So Ah. there was a lot of times when we would get caught up in the chat more than... Than what was happening? And oh the, yeah. yeah, I'd have
0: to listen to the show later every time yeah. because I yeah. I just get involved with well, chatting with you and Lauren and Bruce and all the all the rest. And it was and, re- and it was like I didn't hear a damn thing. Yeah. I'm watching the yeah. guys. I know what they're wearing. I know if Luke's just been jogging and hasn't showered. Right. I know all this stuff. But I I'm too wrapped up in the chat to even understand what's going on on the show. Well, and I was yeah.
2: working at the time because it would go from twelve and then it was two and and it would change and they would just put out something like it's happening now. And so I would be at work and sometimes I couldn't even listen. So I just was chatting instead of listening. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> the really funny one was when Luke would get sucked into the chat and oh, he would just funny. not be talking. he would just be reading off what people say. It's similar to when he oh, does right, that on Twitter.
1: Right. Oh, that's great. <laughs> <Yeah>. That's good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's funny. There, there was a
2: couple of times Jen was like, Luke, are you even paying attention to me right now? She would get right. really annoyed. They, they added that stuff out, but
1: <laughs> that's great <laughs> oh fun
2: so that that is it um and then andrew i don't know if he just came up with a fun nickname or if he really didn't remember that we were oh, well, i think the- he was so-
0: i think he was exasperated <laughs> because
2: luke was paying attention only to it because he said something right. like are you just paying attention to your stick people
3: <laughs> yep. Yep. Oh,
2: okay. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> so that kind of became our mascot. One of the Luke Spooks made a little, um, emb- a little picture of a, someone at a computer, and it said, so "We're the Stick People" as a stick person. So that's what it became. And then, and then it when Stickam went away, we called ourselves the Super Tens. And mm-hmm. to the Chateau Saint Michel picnic two years ago, we all wore. Um, someone then created a symbol that looked like Superman. And it had an S, and it says Stens, and then we all put our. This is really nerdy. i saying it out loud. It's like <laughs> super nerdy.
0: We all put our. Oh, chat I'm sure. Names. I'm sure at the time, y'all felt really. Oh, cool, Oh yeah, though, right? totally.
2: Because <laughs> we stuck out, right? We all. We sure. all made this, and then we put our chat name on the back, like a oh, weird jersey. Great.
1: <laughs> oh, that's awesome! That's <laughs> totally awesome. Yeah, I. You know, I have seen those drawings before, so I'm really appreciating this explanation yeah. because it's all coming together. That's great. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Phyllis, have you ever... I didn't even know that last part. Oh, you didn't? That... No. Oh. That's really cool. <laughs> uh,
2: Phyllis, have you ever been to an event?
1: No. So the Mariners game is going to be my first one. So exciting. I know. Yeah. Ever since I started listening, there haven't been events, so I'm... Thrilled that one is coming up, and um, yeah, I'm are you dragging be
0: there. all your elevens?
1: Yep, my <laughs> husband and our son are both coming. Oh, that, <laughs>
0: they must be thrilled.
1: How old is your well, son? Five five okay yeah yeah and so to him it'll just be like going to a game right except you know i'll be saying hi to some people i actually have never been to a game with him um my husband has been to one or two games with him i think so snacks hydro races yeah he'll be thrilled we'll we'll have to leave i'm sure before the game is over because of bedtime but (laughs) which will you know we'll push past bedtime a little bit yeah yeah it's it's at seven or something right seven ten or something
0: yeah, it's Thursday night, so I'm yeah. sure, I'm sure it's the 7:10 start.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, we'll we'll all have to go to school and work the next morning, but um it'll be a little fun adventure for us. I couldn't miss all right. it.
0: Well, uh the reason we're here, Phyllis, is for you to play your favorite segment from TBTL history, and as we've learned, you have a few years in, and the one we're going to play is uh Jennifer um finally tells the story. It had been teased for years. I, I remembered hearing about um Jen uh being a Y2K survivalist. <laughs> but uh what prompted the entire story to be told was the Mayan calendar. This was mm-hmm. in um, December 2012 or 13?
1: 13. Uh December twenty
0: twelve. December twenty twelve. The Mayan calendar was about to turn to um, the end of the world, the end of time, the calendar wasn't going to go on any longer. So mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of people had decided that this was it, but not, it wasn't nearly as severe as the Y2K preparation. Um, I was freshly out of prison. I didn't have anything. So I was kind of I, I guess I was the one person who wasn't doing any prepping that might have been hoping for things to <laughs> right, but, to, yeah. to jump off so I could get some stuff yeah, <laughs> <You know>? yeah. <laughs> but but my my uh i, I don't know i 'll talk about it afterwards, but um, this is the time when Jen finally told her story of y two k so Jeremy, fire up that clip.
3: L7.
4: Our story begins way back in 1998, right? Yes. And you are, where are you at in your life at this point? Like, how old are you? Are you married? What's your deal?
5: Um, I, well, let's see, I, I'm 24, I guess. I'm engaged. Mm-hmm. I'm working. I'm the afternoon drive producer. I'm in Seattle at um, the departed KVI.
4: Mm-hmm. No, it's reparted.
5: Oh, <laughs> It's back,
4: it's, it's been reconstituted now in some form.
5: <laughs> they just put John Carlson and Ken Tram in water and they regrew back.
4: That's exactly right. Well, Carlson part is true. He does the morning show Uh-oh. there, but but let us not digress. You're okay. working as a talk right. radio uh, producer. I was
5: producing Carlson, mm-hmm. and um, there, USA Today had a huge front-page story about Y2K. Mm-hmm. And I've had now a lot of years to think back on this sure. whole situation, and, and, and I think that there is something in me that... Um, there's something in me that kind of wants some kind of civilization collapse. I think I, I get off on planning mm-hmm. for it a little bit or thinking about it or kind of daydreaming about, you know, living living wild. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think there's some some weird thing in me because, the, the, what you know, it, it describes this whole kind of scenario where the computers won't work and so you can't get to the ATM and, and jobs don't work and electricity goes down because power plants can't power up. And it described this very dark scenario, wherein, you know, within 30 days, civilization has completely broken down. There's no law enforcement. There's no, you know, uh, no electricity at grocery stores. There's nothing.
4: And and for, for the younger listeners in our audience, and how weird is it, Flash, that we yeah. have listeners who probably don't know. need an explanation on what the Y2K fears were about, it had to do with the supposedly most of the computers and giant computer networks were, were set up to only be able to process dates of two digits. So right. 97, 98, 98, 99. And then when it got to 2000, it was going to go to double zero and it was going to basically throw everything off. Yeah. And, and, and that's, I remember that story starting to circulate too. It's funny. Uh, I remember a a person who I, I guess I won't name just because maybe they would be sensitive about it, but who you and I both know, um, being the first person to tell me about this and um and it, it sounded i have to say it sounded plausible and also pretty terrifying
5: it, and 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 it was being picked up by it wasn't one of those things where you had to be a subscriber to survivalist magazine to right, right. know about it it was very much like on nightline it was it built and built and built and it kind of it it began to feel like it could really happen
4: right survivalist uh, monthly by the way is that you always have to pay in advance <laughs> they're very strict about that yeah.
5: So um so I got married and uh, and we kept talking about this and and Jason's uh family moved to Eastern Washington and we kind of kept talking about it and oh should we move to Eastern Washington and should we you know kind of prepare for a Y2K mm-hmm. and we kept because thinking about because they
4: were and and you know I don't again I don't want to um get you into anything that you feel sensitive about describing about other people but their fa- his family was fairly concerned about Y two K too, right? Would that be a, a, a fair way yeah. to say it?
5: They were very. They were. They were one. I would. I would actually say that they were one hundred percent positive it was going to happen.
4: Right, and their and the so their thought was, and this was a, a, a fairly large circle of their friends, if I remember right, who moved over there to Eastern Washington, essentially to what to to sort of get off the grid.
5: Well, there was this, and this might be from Survivalist Magazine, but there was this idea that. <laughs> In Eastern Washington, you could get power in several different ways. Uh, one being that there's a lot of um, flowing water, and you could set up a dam if you bought, if you bought the right kind of property mm-hmm. that had flowing water mm-hmm. and then the other one is that it 's not rainy over there like it is in, in Seattle, and so you could set up solar panels
3: mm-hmm.
5: and so there was um, and, and so anyway it, there was a lot of people that went to Eastern Washington who were not in their circles, but it did become kind of a, a weird place where people were going to get ready for Y2K, and a lot of people didn't, like, leave Seattle. They just bought some property Mm -hmm. and got it ready, but they had all actually left and gone there, and so Jason and I were newly married, and we're in Seattle, and it's just kind of building and building, and... Jason kept saying that he thought it was a one-in-five chance or a 20% chance that it could happen. He kept saying a 20% chance. And so we kept thinking, you know, like, in light of a 20% chance of something happening, what is what is the appropriate insurance policy? Mm-hmm. That was the conversation we kept having. What is the appropriate insurance policy for a 20% chance of civilization collapsing? Right. And you know what? Like this USA Today paper said was that um, it would probably be a year before things were back up and running and all the computer systems were working. hmm so we finally made the decision, and again, I think it's because there was something in me that kind of liked the idea.
4: Well, yeah, it's very – in a way, very romantic. I think it's why we love watching TV shows and movies about this because hitting the reset button on all of our lives is – there is a lot. there are a lot of downsides to it, but there are a lot of upsides in terms of you get to be anybody you want, and you just – anything that you you think of negatively about your life or your circumstances or who you are as a person, it sort of shakes up the etch-a-sketch.
5: Yeah, and I could because when I think back on it, I can't even really remember anymore if I actually thought it was going to happen. You know what I mean? It's become kind of – it's also – I I don't really know that I really thought it was going to happen, but I liked the idea of moving away and learning this whole – like being self-sufficient, and I I just was into it. So we started taking these classes – On how to be self-sufficient, on how to survive. And it was all sorts of things from, you know, like I learned how to bake bread and make jam and all this kind of stuff. Because,
4: you know, when civilization has crumbled, you still need to have breakfast. (laughs) And it'll probably involve jam. (laughs) It just seems so kind of like regular life, considering, you know, you guys were thinking there was a potential of such extreme things happening.
5: So we, and we learned how to store food, you know, properly and how long different things can last and how you can continue to have a, a healthy diet and, you know, how rice and beans are a protein if you can't get a hold of meat. And we just learned, like, we had classes all the time that we were going to about learning how to, how to do all this stuff. Mm-hmm. So then we bought a 10-acre farm, <laughs> and it was really, really remote. It was very, very far away from anything. It wasn't really near his family, and it wasn't, we didn't know anyone, um, but, but it was beautiful. So Jason liked it because it was up on the top of this mountain. So we bought this farm, and then um, and right before the summer of 99, I quit my job.
4: Now, what were you telling people in terms of uh, why you guys were going to move over to this other place, I I could imagine you being a little sheepish about the underlying oh, yes. the underlying purpose of the move.
5: Yes, and I tried to say that we were. Um, I, I tried to say certain things, but back then it, people knew what you were saying. Like mm-hmm. if you tried to say you, that you were you were going to learn how to be a farmer, or you were you know just wanting to wanting to get to the country. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody knew like, oh, you're a Y2Ker because if you think back, it was like it was just becoming so crazy, and people were, you know, taking their money out of the bank, and uh, all this stuff was happening, and so I had to just kind of fess up, and then um, everybody found out because there was like a newspaper article, and my father-in-law was quoted in it. Mm. So then everybody at work found out. So I'll just name him Kent. Alan, Dan Sittman, all sorts of people kept leaving canned food on my on my desk and stuff. I mean, the word was just out, and so yeah. what could
4: I do? Did people th- seem to think that you were over crazy. Did they think you were crazy?
5: Crazy, absolutely. Everyone thought I was crazy, and um, I kind of thought it was crazy too. I mean, I had a, I very much had a sense of humor about it and thought it was funny because I did think it was kind of crazy.
4: But I mean, I just knowing you as well as I do, I I I know why you got so into this because this is you're a person who has you keep a disaster kit in your disaster kit yeah. in case your outer disaster kit is destroyed somehow the inner disaster kit will will suffice like this is the ultimate planning and sort of like uh, this is the ultimate production you can do is you're trying to produce your and Jason's life for up to I don't know a year or more sort of without the rest of the world being working normally. So like just as a fun challenge, I could see you getting into it.
5: And that's exactly. I was into it. I had, like, I had charts, and I had files, and I had all my lists of all the things I had to do. And um, so once we moved over there, then reality really set in because the first thing that we had to do was get the well. There was a well on the property. Mm-hmm. I had this long list of things that I had to do because Jason was, was still, still working full time at his job telecommuting to an architecture firm in Kirkland. So I had this really, really long list. And the first thing was I had to get the well working. But I didn't I, – I mean, what would you do? You know, there's just a hole, and I could look down, and I could see it was a well. But there was it was just a hole in the ground, a really deep hole. So,
4: I, I would call – I would go down to the general store and ask if someone knew a guy who gets wells going.
5: Well, that's – I called the general store, exactly. <laughs> And I did, said, did anyone
4: call it the Mercantile?
5: <laughs> it was actually called the Trading Post.
4: Oh wow, that's yeah. that actually sounds kind of awesome.
5: Yeah, so I called down to the Trading Post and I said, "I need a a what you call it a pump for my well. I need to I need a way to get water out of my well." And he goes, "Okay, well, how deep's your well?" And I just paused for a minute and then I said the answer that's always served me well: medium. <laughs> and you started laughing. Oh, he
4: good. Goes, a me- we'll order up a medium pump for you. <laughs>
5: he said, that's, that's not the answer to that question. I said, what is the answer to the question? He goes, how deep is it, like number of feet? I said, how would I ever know that? And he said, well, you tie something to a string, and then you lower the string in until it hits the bottom, and then you mark it, and then you pull it back out. I mean, he's like giving me instructions. I said, okay. So anyway, so I got my well working and then um, I had a I, I bought a generator mm-hmm. and I had and then i had I found out that you have to build a shed for your generator so mm-hmm. i I um, got a shed built I did not build it myself and got it connected so that and then bought like thousands of gallons of propane, these huge propane tanks so I can continue to power my house
4: now and- can I ask one one uh, question about all of this? If and when the kind of regular society crumbled, and I know you've already said it wasn't like you and Jason were convinced this was going to happen, but in the worst-case scenario, you guys would have had this awesome house that, like, for instance, I would have wanted to come over to, as would other people. What was your plan for, like, defending your homestead, or was it to just let everyone come live with you if they wanted?
5: It was to... Uh, we were very, very. Uh, we had talked about all that, and that was one of the things that one of the one of the classes that we took was uh, making those kinds of decisions. And in the Depression, um, the, you know, it was the hat in hand. You know, that was the way that that was the the signal. If you came up to somebody's house, you put your hat in your hand to basically say, I don't mean you any harm, but I I need help.
3: Hmm.
5: And so the idea was that if anyone comes up hat in hand, we're going to help them. And so we, I mean, Luke, it is impossible for you to tell for me to tell you how much food we had. I mean, like rooms and rooms of food. These huge white ten-gallon buckets, just filled with rice and flour and sugar and uh, wheat berries and honey and brown sugar. I mean, it just went on for days. Wow. So, uh, so and and so we felt very strongly that we were prepping this house and whoever came for help hat in hand could come in no what if idea. they
4: came not hat in hand were you guys going to have to like get tough
5: well i mean how tough are we going to get we don't have any guns or anything like that so
4: you so. didn't you weren't going to have any guns no see that seems like a uh you know bad you know bad end of the world strategy just based on movies i've watched
5: yeah <laughs> i know it's
4: and i'm it's, not a reason gun reason person
5: Hippies get wiped out first, right. I'm sure. But this was our whole idea. Right. I mean, right down to I was going to buy all of these. Um, I I had found a deal for like crates and crates and crates of cigarettes, and I was going to buy them because my idea was people are going to be desperate for cigarettes, and I can barter them for good stuff.
4: Yeah, until someone just <laughs> punches you and then takes all your cigarettes. Well, you're assuming there's still going to be a little civility. Hopefully, just a little bit of civility.
5: Yeah. Well. It, well, we li- it's so remote where we were yeah. that it would take someone so long to get there. Mm-hmm. I figured they will be pretty wiped out.
4: Right, sure, they'd be tired.
5: They'd be tired. <laughs> so, so, but Jason wouldn't let me do it because he felt really strongly also that um, he said, I don't want to be people who take advantage of other people's um, weakness.
4: You guys were going to be basically the dream scenario for someone to happen upon. Like it's like in The Walking Dead. Did you watch that? Yeah, like the farm. Yeah, Yeah. minus whatever's going on in the shed. I haven't watched that episode yet, but I assume it's bad. (laughs) I assume it's not good. Yeah. (laughs) And so, in fact, that was like the last episode before we kind of stopped watching it. But you guys were going to be like that, but minus the shed.
5: Yes, exactly. So, so then, so we got the generator up and going, and then I had to deal with the sewage situation because I couldn't figure out where the poo was going. You know what I mean? Because we weren't hooked up to any sewer water system. Really? And so I couldn't figure out what was going on. Did you have like a septic tank or something? there was a septic tank. So then I wanted to find out, like, I didn't know anything about septic tanks, and so I called back to the trading post.
4: Irma Bombeck taught me something about that in her whimsical 1980s book, (laughs) The Grass Is Always Greener Over the Septic Tank. It was a follow-up to her book, If Life's a Bowl of Cherries, Why Am I Always in the Pits?
5: (laughs) So I called down to the trading post and I said, um, you know, how do I know that my, what do I do if my septic tank is having trouble? How do I know if it's having trouble? And they said, well, where is it? And I said, I don't know. And they said, well, you need to find out where it is and then, and then we can come out and check it if it needs, you know, see how it is. And I said, well, how would I find it? And they said, walk out in your yard in your bare feet and when you come <laughs> across the warm section, you're there. And so I did that. So we got that taken care of. And then I, my next thing was to was to buy pigs. And my idea was about the pigs was if things got really, really – first of all, they, they'll eat anything I had read, so they're not hard to have. And then if things get really, really bad, you can eat them. This was my idea. So, I, I mean, I would ask you again, how, what would you do if you had buy pigs on your list of things to do?
4: Um, yeah, I, w- I mean, again, I'd I'd call the trading post, I guess. Do you know anybody who sells pigs?
5: Well, what I did was call the Chamber of Commerce of Spokane. Mm mm-hmm. Because that was the big city. Yeah. And so they said, that's not how you do it. And I said, well, how do you do it? And they said, you ask around. And I thought, well, who am I going to ask? There wasn't a neighbor in any direction for miles.
4: By the and way, so- was this, I mean, you were really occupied with just the getting ready and all the different things, but. Was there a point in which it was kind of lonely out there, just not having any other people around unless you drove for miles and miles?
5: It wasn't lonely yet. That's coming. Oh, okay. Because right now we were, you know, we were overwhelmed with lists and lists and lists of things to do to get ready. And we were, you know, time was ticking. Right. You know, we had like six months to get all this stuff done. So, they say after round. So I got in my car and I drove to the trading post and I came in and I said, do you know anyone who has pigs? And the lady goes, yeah, my neighbor's friend has pigs. Like, it totally worked. To ask around mm-hmm. so they um, they delivered these two pigs to us, and we very quickly figured out that pigs do not eat anything, and they're really hard to ha and, you know yeah they, they didn 't turn out to be a great pet for us
4: wait, so all. they they wouldn 't I thought the whole story with them is yeah you, any any food like thing and even things that are non food if you throw them out there they 'll just they 'll just eat them up that 's mm-hmm. not the case
5: no, they were really picky, and they were really rude <laughs> and And Mr. Knightley was obsessed with them, and we couldn't get Mr. Knightley to stay out of their pig pen. And he was tiny at the time, and I thought for sure the pigs were going to eat Mr. Knightley. Mm -hmm. And I named him Babe and Wilbur, which was a bad idea, because then the more they were Babe and Wilbur, I'm like, I'm never eating these pigs, what am I thinking of? And so we ended up um, going back to the trading post and saying, do you know anyone who wants pigs? (laughs) And they did, (laughs) so we sold them to somebody else. So the pigs didn't work out, and then we made this garden. And um, what we didn't know was that on the top of the mountain, it didn't really, it was too cold and it was too windy and nothing grew up there. And so we planted uh, 200 rows of everything we would need to live. And the only thing that came up was roughly a thousand radishes. (laughs) What are you going to do with a thousand radishes? And the pigs wouldn't eat the radishes. What?
4: Nope. Talk about picky. (laughs)
5: So, so it, it, we, it was just an amazing experience all summer of getting ready and getting ready and getting ready.
4: Now, and also, I mean, once you're out there and once you're doing all the preparations, are you starting to feel more and more like this might really happen? Or because I could see how when you're in the city and everything, you're talking, you're talking to a lot of people who aren't who aren't going on the assumption that this is a real threat, but now you're out in in the rurals and your main contact is probably with you know, Jason's family and other people who are out there doing the same thing. And you're in the middle of nowhere and you're operating as if it's going to happen because you have to. And eventually does your brain start to think, yeah, this is probably going to happen.
5: Definitely. Because at some point I was in a target down in Spokane and I walked by this like display of little um, lap blankets mm-hmm. and I looked at them and I thought, "Oh my gosh, we're going to need so many blankets." And I bought them all—like thirty-five blankets. I mean, so I think I think I really did start getting into, and I started getting a thing where I'm like, "We're not prepared enough. We're not prepared enough." Like right. I really started getting worried, thinking, you know, what if, what if you know, twenty people end up living in this house and we don't have it? This is crazy. And so then I just started kind of frantically buying stuff, and um, so. It definitely took over my my mentality until nine nine ninety nine happened.
4: Now and
5: that was supposed to be like the precursor. That was supposed to be like a, a day when uh, there was some problems with computers a little bit.
4: Oh, Okay, because uh, they I, I wonder why
5: I can't even remember why. But that was some, but that
4: was going to be an early... That was going to be a little canary in the coal mine.
5: Yes, exactly. That was the, that was this big day that was going to really. In in fact, everybody was saying. Out in the community where we were, you know, make sure you're ready by nine nine ninety nine because there might not even be enough time until two thousand. Hmm. You know, nine nine ninety nine is when everyone is going to freak out because there's going to be some problems, and so then like all the shelves are going to empty out, and every, there's going to be runs on the banks. Like that was this huge concern was runs on the banks, and so
4: had you guys again, you can you can always decline to answer these questions, but had you guys like transferred money into gold or something.
5: No, we didn't transfer money into gold, but we did um, take all of our money out of the bank.
4: Cause I have always thought like all of these gold people, like t- t- you're taking your money and you're transferring it and-, and you're making it into something that as long as everyone agrees, we really want this yellow heavy metal that you can't do anything with. As long as everyone agrees that's still worth something, you're fine. But I would be mostly investing in food and bullets you know what I mean? Because we like yeah. on the radio station, we run these ads for these, you know, gold. You know, gold is the only safe place for your money. And if, you know, if the if the end comes, if the crisis comes, you're not going to have your money in the banks. You're going to have it in gold. I'm like, gold is also just a thing we've arbitrarily decided is valuable. I would have it in cans of uh, beef <laughs> or something that I can
5: eat. Oh my word! I had so much ravioli. I cannot <laughs> even tell you, Chef Boyardee. I had so much of that stuff.
4: Uh, so I you guys had gotten your money done. you'd gotten your money out of the banks.
5: Yeah, so and that was a really that was actually the most embarrassing.
4: I was going to say thing. like did you I mean, did you maybe they don't even ask why you're taking your money out.
5: Well, you can't just go and take your money out. You have to call ahead. So, I called ahead and I said, "I would like to withdraw all of my money." And they said, "Why?" <laughs> And I said, um, because I'm concerned about Y2K.
4: (laughs) They probably had a whole script.
5: Oh, yeah. She goes, okay, when would you like to come? Like, just like that, you know. (laughs) And I said, "Um, well, you know, would Thursday at 2 work? And she said, yeah, bring your duffel bag. Like, you know, she was super sarcastic, which I understand, so, you know, I got there and I don't know, it was like $7,000 or something and, and they made a big deal of like counting it out on the counter Oh, geez. and, you know, putting it in my bag and they, very much, it, I was really embarrassed and sheepish and just wanted to hurry up, hurry up. Like I, I wanted to be like, you don't have to count it, you don't have to count it. <laughs> They're like, oh no, we've got to count it. Oh man. So that, that was embarrassing.
4: <laughs> yeah. And then, and then what, you just like take it home and put it in a safe or
5: something? Yeah, we bought a safe at Target. And, um, or maybe Costco. And so we went home, we put it in the safe and that was just, we kind of sat there. I mean, at that point we felt embarrassed. Mm -hmm. Like we felt like we're, we're being weird people. Like we're
4: at any point were you tempted to spread the money out on the bed (laughs) in decent proposal style.
5: (laughs) No, it was, I, it was also just kind of, it it started to just feel dark. Hmm. Like I, we started to feel very alone and very, um, like, are we crazy people and uh, we started feeling very lonely, and then $9, $9, $9, $9, 9 happened and nothing happened, and we started to really think we've made a huge mistake, and we've left our, you know, we had a, you know, we sold the house in, in Seattle where, where values were just going up and up and up mm-hmm. and up, and now we've sunk all of our money into this property where values are going down and down and down and down. Hmm. We don't know anyone, and we're alone, and I left my job. And we really started feeling it. We really, the depression set in, and the garden hadn't, hadn't given us anything. That was like a huge blow. Oh, when, the garden, yeah. when nothing came up from the garden, we just felt like, we are those people who moved to the country who have no idea what we're doing? Like, we're embarrassed. We're, we were embarrassed, and we just thought everyone who lives out here who, like, grew up in the country and knows what they're doing must be like, you did a garden on the top of that mountain? Are you crazy? <laughs> You know, I could just feel them all laughing at us, and I thought they should be laughing at us. Like this was such a stupid decision, and we just, we kind of just went inside, like we just gave up on the whole thing. Like we had been out there working and getting ready, and you know, built. uh, We had this root cellar, and we had like onions and um, filled with onions and and potatoes, and we just let them rot. What? You know what I mean? We just like the depression set in, and we just started eating out of cans of ravioli.
4: And drinking all your emergency wine drinking all
5: emerging wine and it was it was definitely kind of becoming a dark thing and and, and what we realized in those few months is if the world is going to end, if things are going to get really bad, we want to be with our people mm-hmm. we don't want to be alone out in this in the middle. We want to you know the idea of going down with your ship like I, I want to be in Seattle where my friends and my coworkers and my you know i don 't want to be by myself out here like it totally was a great experience and figuring out what's important to you. And I thought, I want to be with people.
4: Yeah. You know, so, so so the nine nine nine, that's obviously September. Yeah. And so you're like, you're still counting it down to December to the end of December, obviously. But you're like, I mean, by the time that the actual big day rolled around, what was like, what was your state of mind? What was the state of mind of the people that other people that had moved out there? What was the scene?
5: Well, um, I would say that by by the 31st of December, Jason and I were absolutely convinced nothing was going to happen when we woke up that morning. I mean, we, we weren't even – we knew we'd made this huge mistake, and we were already thinking ahead to, you know, how do we undo hmm. what we've done here.
4: Now, but, now, now if – not that you would ever wish ill on the Earth, on planet Earth or the citizens of planet Earth, but would some part of you have been – Pretty happy if you, if somehow it had happened, because just then you would have all your preparation would have been for naught
5: i think that I think that there would have been i think I would have felt relieved because you know i 'm a person who suffers a lot of guilt and regret about things, mm-hmm. and I felt so foolish about the wasted money mm. i couldn't i couldn 't get over the wasted money, and I just kept feeling like you know we're, that was so foolish, and we just got caught up and you know, I felt like I had joined a cult and, and I got deprogrammed and I felt so embarrassed and like I can't get that back and you know, it 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 was kind of a spiral a little bit. But on that day we had been invited to a party and it was this a New Year's Eve party and it was all y two cares from like all over the community were going to this big party. And it was I still remember vividly like the looks on people's faces because it was that same look of We sold our house in, like, a thriving city and moved somewhere where you can't sell, and we, you know, left everything, and what have we done? And because the whole day what's happening on CNN is as every time zone crosses over, they're saying nothing's happening. Yeah, because I was actually – it's funny. I
4: think you – if there's one silver lining to this, I think this is how I got my first job in radio because didn't I take over for you? Yes, you did. And that's (laughs) – I, you, because like you were, you were, you were going to produce Wiseback, yeah, and then you didn't, and then you told them to, to call me, and, I, and they did, and I ended up taking that job, and so I was very appreciative of you vacating the city <laughs> and the world of the sane uh, because it allowed me to get a job and right out of college, and then um, uh, th- that night I was hosting. The night show on KVI I had somehow weaseled my way onto the air and was – I remember watching – well, I did something that wasn't nice, which was I just said, if you have a year's worth of food in your basement, I would like to tell you right now that I have nothing at my house. I have like a half uh, box of um, Honey Nut Crunch cereal and like two like uh, Arizona iced teas, and that was my preparation. And guess what? We're in the same boat like, I'm fine. I was just gloating, which yeah. is not a nice thing to do. But I do remember the way that those time zones, like, once it hit, like, Australia, and then, like, Australia was okay. Yep. I was like, oh my gosh. Cause I was really, like, I, 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 it wasn't that I didn't think Y2K was gonna be a thing. It's that I am that lazy. <laughs> that even if I think the world's going to end, I can't motivate to prepare for it. So I was really a little bit on on tenterhooks about the whole thing, thinking like, is this going to be a situation? And am I going to be really, really upset with myself that I did nothing to prepare for it? So, of course, I felt very happy when it was turning out to not be a thing. But what was the, what was the kind of – what were the conversations when it was like, Australia's fine? Was it like, well, it – it hasn't, the U.S. Is, has different computer programming. Yeah. Were people still trying to kind of like figure out how it might still be a thing?
5: I remember that there were, um, there were a group of people with their laptops and they were sitting watching, you know, the newspapers. Like just refreshing and refreshing and checking all the different, and going to all the sites and checking everything. And I could feel their um, uh, disappointment. Like, they wanted it to happen. Right. And I think they wanted it to happen for all sorts of different reasons. I think there were kind of politically survivalist types of people there. Sure. And I think there were religious weirdos there. Like, I think a lot of people had a bunch of different agendas, but there were definitely people who were upset it wasn't happening. Mm-hmm. And then there was, most of the rest of us were just kind of like drinking and feeling like, you know, now we got to just get back to our life somehow we got to figure out how do you you know i wish i could rewind a year but i can't so i gotta just so i i got super just drunk and you know i because i just felt like this we're just the biggest bunch of morons who ever existed like i just felt like we're all so stupid and i kept saying that so we actually didn't stay until midnight because jason's like i don't think anybody wants to hear from you anymore at this point <laughs> so we left and just went home and and then I, you know, the next day I I was on tons and tons of radio shows because I just felt like it's wrong to not be willing to go on and say yeah I, I called it wrong you know so all, you know all my friends and Ray all the producers and stuff called me like will you come on will you come on and I did because I just thought that's the right thing to do is you got to go on and admit you were wrong take you, your lumps yeah you know and you were a fool and you got to admit you were
4: now I mean how long did it take you before you realized that even though you had maybe sort of um, overreacted to the possibility of this a little bit maybe but also the good news was the planet was still here (laughs) and like you know what I mean like when did you finally like start to feel uh, overall actually a sense of like happiness that like hey everything's still working and I can move back to Seattle and become part of society again
5: I was uh, immediately <laughs> i was thrilled and happy and we immediately started our plan we put our house in the market uh, immediately over there um i started looking for work jason called his company and said i'm coming back and they said great i mean we we were back by february i think we were back by february 5th
4: oh my god
5: yeah that is so we came back immediately the house was on the market for years so we just rented and you know just slowly tried to build back our savings and and come back for I mean we were really you know I was twenty five years old, yeah, so I you know it's kind of, if you 're going to do something really stupid financially that 's a good time to do it. you've got a long time to to get it back it
4: does sound i have to say your farm sounds kind of awesome it, like I would love to be able to go visit that or like rent it for a week.
5: It was very beautiful and it was very very prepared yeah and you know there, what I will say is that it's taken me a long time to um for, I would say for five years, I refused to have anything in the house more than what I needed for a couple of days. <laughs> like I, and I said, I'll never go to Costco again. And I really still don't like to go to Costco. I get upset when I go in there because it's like, I start remembering. Um, and we, and we always had a joke about what's a Y2K load and a Y2K <laughs> load is when you fill one of those, um, flat things with one item, hmm. you know, those big, huge, flat, um, carts that you can push through Costco. Yeah. If you fill it all the way up with just one item, like toilet paper or something right. like that, we would call that a Y two K load because we would just go and do that. We would just had lists of all the different things we had to buy, and we would just go to Costco every. Was Saturday. there
4: one thing that comes to mind for you, a, a particular item that is most comical looking back on it, like Oral B toothbrushes for the next <laughs> thousand years, or like something you did a Costco load worth of something that's just like it's especially <laughs> cringe inducing, and in you knowing that the world didn't end.
5: Probably, it's, it probably is the, um, the uh, Chef Boyardee um, SpaghettiOs <laughs> because I had so much of it, and after probably, you know, 10 cans of it, I realized we would have we would have just thrown And, and that's one thing they actually talked a lot about in our survivalist classes is um, appetite fatigue and how people will actually die with food next to them, but if they're so sick of that food, they actually can't take one more bite of it, and so you have to be really careful about that, and I didn't really pay attention. And the other thing they said is don't, don't store things that you don't eat now. Because if you don't eat it now, you're not going to want to eat it then. And I just thought, well, that's not true. If I'm really hungry, I'll eat, you know, SpaghettiOs. And so I just had, you know, hundreds and hundreds of cans of SpaghettiOs.
4: What do you do with those? I mean, did you finally work your way through them over the course of the last 10 years? Oh, no.
5: No, we donated all of the food because um, I I couldn't bear to look at it. It just, to me, felt like my great failure Hmm. was all of that. I just couldn't. it, It upset me so much. I just couldn't get over how foolish we had been. And to, I'm telling you, to this day, I, I get upset when I go to Costco. I don't like to go to Costco. I have gotten over being prepared because now I entered. I well, it was when the electrical storm happened in Seattle and Trader Joe's um, was closed because their power was out. That scared me and made me realize, you know, it is still wise to be prepared for, you know, a week of a power outage.
4: Right. There's so, something in between yes. what I do and what you guys did previous to Y2K. Yes.
5: I, I am, I'm much more prepared now, for, but for a while I wouldn't at all. I just wanted to buy what we needed each day. Um, I couldn't stand to to be preparing, so I just thought I'm never doing that again. And, and I, and, <clears throat> excuse me, and I don't think I ever would again. I don't think anybody could convince me ever again of something like that. You know, that's, see,
4: I, I hear what you're saying, and I think you have every reason to to sort of be dismissive going forward of, of, of things that are predicted to be like sort of end of the world or just like end of the normal civilization stuff. I also have that feeling, but mine is not based on having done any great preparation. Mine is just based on the fact that it has never happened, which means probably it will happen and I'll be really screwed because you know what I mean? Like my, my reasoning for thinking that like the Mayan, well, first of all, the, the Mayan calendar, forget it, but like my reason for most things, we talk like, about the financial crisis and the, it's like, well, it's never, I mean, it's bad things have happened. You know, we had a, a depression and we've had a pretty huge recession in years past here. But to me, it's just like, it's just never happened. Like, an asteroid has never hit us. Um, the, you know, w- zombies have never actually, you know, sprouted up. Like, it, none of it's ever happened. And so my, my assumption is it never will happen. Although I don't think that's really even logically coherent.
5: Mm-hmm. Well, did you, uh, just uh, a couple weeks ago, I watched the new Ken Burns, the, um, the Dust Bowl. Oh, my God, how
4: great is that?
5: That was amazing. I was riveted to that the whole time, and yeah. it really did, you know, because after the whole, after everything was over, the farmers in the 50s, at the very end, the little code at the end was that the farmers started doing it again, the, that, that planting that caused the Dust Bowl. Right. And so it is like a, such a good reminder that we don't really ever learn. We really don't. And so I do think that, um, like you said, I don't need to be prepared for a year, but I am back to being prepared for, you know, a month.
4: So what would your advice be, having been through this, here we are this week, I wonder, you know what, I'm curious if any of our listeners are worried, a little bit worried about Friday, or I should say, I guess Thursday night. Um, And if if so, definitely drop us an email, because I'd be curious. I'm not going to, like, just, like, ridicule you, you know, out of hand. Like, I would like to kind of hear what people... Are, what, what people are thinking about this. But for somebody, let's say, Flash, who is like a little worried about, although I, I don't know enough about the, the specifics of the mind thing. I mean, do they think that the earth's just going to end? Because I guess in that case, preparation isn't even part of the conversation, really, right? It's just right.
5: Well, I think we should all it, be so
4: getting all, drunk and having sex with each other. That's yeah. really what it comes down to.
5: Yeah. I, I think all, all of this always comes down to to what you're reading and who you're listening to, because mm-hmm. people can make a really good case mm-hmm. for anything, I mean, I'm, I'm constantly amazed by how I'll be reading something and, like, that's a really good point. And then I have to, like, step back. No, it's not. Right. But, you know, a good writer can, can convince you of all sorts of things. And so um, my first advice that I learned is read a lot more. Yeah. <laughs> get, 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 cast a wider net of what you're reading. Well, and also, you know what? If you
4: think that you're the only person who's figured something out and it involves the end of the world— Unless you're Nicolas Cage, it's probably not something that's real. You know what I mean? That's the other thing I always say to people. It's like, no, man, you don't understand. Oh, my God. We were watching the football game last week at a bar in Cedro Woolley, Washington. And the guy next to us goes, we're talking about the Super Bowl. And he was like, oh, yeah, well, it's rigged. And I said, how is it rigged? He goes, all that stuff, they know who's going to win. It's all rigged. And I said, well, how, "Based on what do you base that on? He goes, Think about it, money. <laughs> just like nothing you're saying adds up to. Uh... That is wonderful. You, you just came upon him. <laughs> yeah, he was actually a really nice guy, but there was but it was weird because we were having this really pleasant conversation. He was obsessed with me. They had um, free beanie weenies there on Sunday for the game. This was at the castle. Uh, bar in uh, in Cedar Woolley, Washington. And, uh, and we were having a really nice conversation. And he was really pleasant. And then at just some, some point, he just mentioned very casually how the Super Bowl was rigged because of, you know, money. And it was just like, well, how, how do you like? OK, so how do you figure that works? Like, is it about betting on it or is it about he goes, think about it? I was like, okay, well, I guess we'll just go back to the beanie weenies here. But like, if you think that you're like the only person who gets it about something, realize that there are lots of other smart people in the world. And if none of them have got, like, you know, there are lots of things that um that that are are quite surprising that you know, real science actually figures out or like says, yeah, that's a possibility. You know, like for instance, if Stephen Hawking thinks it's totally not possible. I doubt you figured out the wormhole that's going to absorb our solar system and Stephen Hawking didn't. Yeah. Like, I just don't think that you're, you're probably not that person.
5: I would say that I I do have, I do have a lot of compassion, you know, because I I bought into something, you Mm -hmm. know, I understand buying into something. And I also think that we, once you really invest your time and money in something, it's like no amount of evidence can convince you. Otherwise, because, You've already invested so much. It's so difficult to hear truth in those situations because it means you're stupid or a fool right. or you got you got took. Yeah. You know, and it's really difficult. And I you know, I always say, you know, because people say, you know, how can someone still believe such and such when it's been proven to me not not be true? And I always think because they're invested in the thing they believe, you know, yeah. I I if If it is proven with DNA and beyond a shadow of a doubt somehow in some alternate multiverse that O.J. didn't kill Nicole, (laughs) I don't think I could believe it. Right. Because I've invested my – so much of my heart and soul is believing – What I believe.
4: Right. Well, there's a whole thing called confirmation bias, I think is the term for it. And it's, you know, it's like this. Today is one of those days. You know, we're recording this on a Monday and it's the weekend after the horrible stuff in Connecticut. And what seems to be happening, and I'm certainly part of this, is everyone is just looking through the news stories and evidence and other things to confirm what they already believed Thursday night about what role, for instance, guns play in this kind of stuff, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and we're all because we all have a lot invested in being right about this stuff. And and we've all been carrying around our sort of opinion on it for a long time, whatever that is. And now nobody's looking at least very few people are like going, well, let me try to figure out why the opinion I've been carrying around for 10 years on this is wrong. Everyone's searching around for the confirmation. And it's, you know, you get to a point where you've got a lot invested in in something turning out the way that you've always thought it's going to turn out. So, I mean, I, I understand there's a certain point at which, like you said, some of those people you're with are rooting for the end
5: of the world. Right, because they don't want to have to be proven wrong. Right. And, and so I have a lot of compassion for that. And I would just say, like, you know, if you're, if you're nervous about about um, the Mayan calendar ending or something, you can email me on on Saturday morning, and I will not mock you because I've been there.
4: No, and I, I, I <laughs> quite seriously, everybody, you can email me too and don't um feel like uh don't feel like i'm going to make fun of you i'm i'm curious i'm wondering what the sort of like percentage of our listeners cuz i i tend to think of this as being a pretty um our listenership is fairly heady bunch they're certainly smarter than me Mm-hmm. which is made evident every time they email me. Um, I mean that. I don't mean that as a joke. I mean, like, literally, it's a bunch of people who are smarter than the the, the, the host of the show. But um, there might be a few that, for whatever reason, are are a little bit, just a teensy bit worried about Friday. You know what I, I put in my Outlook calendar? when We were talking about this on the radio show some weeks ago. I just put World Ends on Friday. And it's just been sitting there. And every time I look at my Outlook calendar for other, like, real appointments, I just see World Ends. And it's just kind of giving me a weird... It's a weird thing to see, like to have an outlook reminder for. Yes.
5: Well, on Thursday night on the Daily Show, when when John Stewart signed off, he said, "You know, this is our last show of 2012, or obviously maybe ever." You know, and then, and then he kind of laughed. But I thought, you know, it's it's a weird thing that there's all these people out there that are that believe that believe this is it. This
4: well, week. you know what might be a, a positive spin on this, one way or the other, is if. If everyone treated this week kind of like it was the last week on Earth, but instead of having it be this, like,
5: horrible Bacchanal,
4: (laughs) bacchanal, it could be like a – why don't you call up your, you know, people that you're estranged from that you've been meaning to, like, talk to and work it out with. Why don't you get your affairs in order? You know what I mean? Why don't people just, like – kind of treat this like this is me, you know what I mean? Like use, use this as a time to kind of like say, all right, like if the world was actually ending on Friday, what are the things about my life that I'd be like not psyched about? And are there things I can do, you know, that would kind of change my feelings about some of those different things, whether they're relationships or just various things. I mean, what's the downside of that? And then the world doesn't end on Friday. And then you just like hopefully kind of improved a few of the elements of your life.
5: A very lovely holiday message that you just
4: gave. Thank you. I've been really throwing. I've been. I've been really cranking them out. And <laughs> I'm hosting the uh, radio show. Dave's off for the week, and I've just been like, I've been full of all kinds of folksy wisdom. <laughs> well, Jen, I, I have to say I appreciate your candor as always. Uh, appreciate you. Uh, you know, uh, uh, dealing with the potential embarrassment of the fact that you uh, mm-hmm. th- that you thought that maybe we were going to see the complete. Uh, dissolving of American civilization.
5: Oh, you wouldn't have believed all the things. You know, like one person, their their big thing was that once once people run out of toilet paper, <laughs> all civilization breaks down. Like this was their whole theory. Mm. Like you're still like a decent person who, um, you know, holds to order and civilization until you're until you have no more toilet paper, and then you somehow revert to animal like behavior. Like there were so many ideas like I that. actually
4: totally buy that theory <laughs> because if like if I was not able to your
5: ass is what separates you from animals. Absolutely.
4: And if I wasn't able to do that and then you, I had anything else on my to-do list for that day, but I was walking around with a situation (laughs) in my pants from having gone to the bathroom, like nothing else is uh, of any kind of complexity is getting done for me. (laughs) You know, I mean, I would be sunk.
5: There's such a, I, I, I'm, and I still, you know, I'm still kind of, I still am learning from that whole situation about myself. As every year passes by, I have different uh, perspectives on it. But interestingly, Jason was never very worried about Y2K at all. <clears throat> he just—he he always said it's an insurance policy. He never seemed nervous or worried about mm-hmm. it. He's never once expressed any regret about what we did or about the money. He's like, you know, we, we rolled the dice. We, we looked at it. We made a decision. We did the best we could. We were wrong. We just moved forward. Like, he's, he's never... Um, He wasn't worried before and he's not worried now, you know, in the middle of the night, worry about it.
4: (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, think about it now. Like, is your life worse because of this, because of having done this? No,
5: no, it really isn't. I don't know. It's just, I think it's just that I'm embarrassed. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of can't give myself a break about it, Hmm. you know?
4: Well, I don't think you should feel embarrassed (laughs) at all. And, you know, I mean, it was an adventure and you learned something. A pigs much more persnickety than we've been led to believe.
5: Yeah, if that's the one thing that gets out today, yes. I will have really Wells, my purpose. Wells
4: medium is not an official <laughs> measurement of the kind of pump you need.
5: Bare feet will find you your septic tank anytime.
4: Yeah, and um, radishes. If if that's all you had to eat for you would you would welcome death's sweet embrace. <laughs> I think that's what it comes down to.
5: I should do a little pamphlet. Lessons learned. Yes, yeah. you should.
0: Okay, my first impression. After hearing that, um, it it was the same as when I heard it the first time, was that it sort of bumps my worldview a bit that people that are smarter than me, that I respect, and in in every way are better people than me,
1: Uh bought this. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I love it because it's so honest and there are so many people who've done things that they are way less embarrassed about who just want to sweep it under the rug and they don't want it ever to be brought up. And they certainly don't want to talk about having felt stupid at the time. Like even before it was over, she felt dumb because she knew nothing was going to happen. <laughs> and she immediately went on the radio on January 1st mm-hmm. and and said, yeah, I... I feel stupid now because nothing happened because she felt like that was the right thing to do. And that just speaks so much to her integrity and her sense of humor about herself. Um, and her relationship too, uh, with her husband. It, it, that could have been a real breaking moment for so many relationships because it wouldn't have taken much mm-hmm. for people to start pointing the finger at each other, you know, and like the more you hear someone say, I just feel so stupid, I just feel so stupid, we're so stupid for doing this, it's really easy to get defensive in that situation. But, you know, she was saying that her husband just said, you know, we, we made a bad call. We're moving on. You know, we we learned a lot. We did our thing and and now things are going to be better. And that just makes me respect him so much. It's Jason, right? Yes. Yeah, I mean, just what a man. So that was really cool to hear about and it just made me love Jen.
2: Yes. I agree to everything you said. <laughs> Jason is is a saint. I mean, not because yeah. he handles Jen, but just in general. He's one of the nicest people
1: ever. Well, and this this was a great episode to hear also after I had heard you guys re-rack the um, wedding basement story.
0: Oh, oh yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah.
1: So, so that was kind of like, you know, the worst possible circumstance. And then this was in a lot of ways the best because they went through this prolonged kind of stressful planning, isolating situation. And they came out of it like... You know it sounds like even stronger mm-hmm. well, um and and she yes. learned so much she learned how to do so many things you know she learned how to measure how deep her well was um she learned how to care for or not care for pigs <laughs> um you know she she can bake bread and make jam, and I can't do any of that stuff. Nice. I'm like a yeah. big urban wuss, so I had mad respect for her learning all that stuff. It wasn't for nothing, and you know I mean, I know people. Who reacted to Y2K by, like, buying tons of, like, prepared, dried food. Mm-hmm. And, like, as far as I know, they're still eating that stuff. So, you know, but she at least learned something from it. Yeah, and she was
2: very self-aware about – uh she just knew she couldn't have it in her house and just donated it and yep. it had to be done. And, yep. I mean, I think that her – them just being married – it kind of was like they were playing house a little bit. I feel like when you get married young, you're always kind of playing house the first year, uh-huh. but they had the <laughs> ultimate camping trip.
1: Yeah. And yeah, so really. I think
2: that that kind of helped the situation. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. But um, also she's really loved um, little house on the prairie and all those kind of things <laughs> and of green gable. So I feel like that was her getting to uh, live that <laughs> for a little bit. Yeah.
0: It's my job to speak up for men on the show. And I spoke <laughs> up for for Jason last time. Mm-hmm. Uh There was a story about him. And I I will say that I'm even more impressed with him when I hear this story than just having met him and heard all the other things. Because when you're a young man and you make a big mistake and it sounds like his whole family was into it. And yeah, I the think only it was reason, them
2: that pushed it. Right. Mm. And, and
0: the only reason that Jen... Was even vulnerable to a USA Today article about what <laughs> might happen at Y2K mm-hmm. was because of Jason and his family. Mm-hmm. And when, when you make an embarrassing mistake and you're embarrassed of it and possibly even embarrassed of your family's participation in it, it's very easy as a young person to try to distance yourself from that mistake and anybody who really knows about it. Mm-hmm. And, um, It brought while while all that's a possibility, and an average you know less less full of heart person Mm -hmm. would probably let that affect their relationship and distance themselves from the relationship. Um, Jason did not do that, and they have a wonderful marriage from everything I've seen.
1: Yeah. It sounds, it sounds like it. And, and, you know, they've, they've moved all kinds of places together and been closer to family and farther from family, just from what I've heard her describe in the episodes that I've heard. And um, I mean, what great accomplishments. It just, I mean, to really to have struck out on their own so many times, it's just Mm -hmm. really awesome. So I love, I love hearing Jen. I love hearing about Jen. I've loved um, reading her, um, you know, I've read some of her posts on her website and her tweets and it's just, it's really fun to get, you know, to get a little glimpse inside the mind of someone like Jen. It's very cool. And another reason I like this story is because it's so specifically evocative of a time and place that even just 15 years later, people don't talk about that much anymore. You mm. hardly ever hear anyone say Y2K anymore. But when somebody does bring it up, I remember exactly what I was doing and, you know, who I was hanging out with and, and, um, you know, what the news was about and, you know, when she said, you know, 99.99, they thought that mm-hmm. stuff was going to be kind of a test and, you know, nothing went wrong. I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> and to mm-hmm. hear her say she was back by February, it was just hilarious. <laughs> so, um, it's, it was really cool to, to kind of relive my own Y2K experience from hearing about hers. <laughs> so- I
0: remember the, the, the day before I put some gas in the, uh, the leaky, uh, Camaro. That my brother gave me when I got out of prison, um, <laughs> with the uh, the leaky t-top, and it would overheat at every light oh if God. I didn't turn off the engine. Oh, no. I put gas in there because I was like, "Well, I got to be ready if there's looting," and I, I took everything oh, out of no. the trunk to make sure that that I would I would have enough room to get some
2: stuff. Oh. But it just didn't <laughs> you, happen. You oh, didn't
0: God. learn your lesson, then is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I just thought if someone else breaks the window, I'll just step in and maybe right. just grab something near the exit. You
2: know? Oh god! So I made a note of. Um, she talked about how they got a bunch of uh, the Chef Boyardee raviolis. Oh yeah, and that they were sick of it right away. What? Yeah. What yeah. is a food that you wouldn't be sick of? Oh,
1: what could I eat? Like, does it have to be like, um, you know? like storable like that.
2: Oh, you get to pick the parameters. Mm.
1: Cause here's something I've had a couple of times. I think I have it right now. Um, and I think that this is something that I'll have to talk to Luke about this at some point too. I think that when you've, grown up in poverty, sometimes you tend to do things like mm-hmm. squirrel away food until payday, even when you don't have to. And, um,
3: mm-hmm.
1: you know, or like if ramen goes on sale, even if it's at the Kmart uh, and on Aurora, and it'll take you an hour to get there on the bus, like you go and you get it. And I've done that. Twice I had a big old thing of ramen in my apartment when I lived downtown and I think I have a big old thing of ramen still and it's weird because it's like a weird security blanket because I don't really like we don't eat that kind of stuff anymore but I have it you know. (laughs) <laughs> but like when I think about actually eating it, I'm like, what would I put that in? Like, what would I even do with it? So I think I would rather do something like have some endless supply of like spaghetti and meatballs. Like Phyllis, if pasta. it ever
0: comes to you having to eat that ramen, <laughs> yeah. um, I, I've been in prison. So just, just you can tell me, me how to hook DM, it up. <laughs> send
2: yeah. me a DM. I can yeah. give okay. you a thousand different and ways. I was yeah. a latchkey kid. I could make a cookbook of things I did with ramen. Yeah. 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 Did That's you do our the... new podcast.
1: <laughs> ramen cookbook. Did you do the cup of noodles? Cup of noodles were a little expensive. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's a fancy styrofoam <laughs> yeah. container.
2: Who are we,
0: the Rockefellers? Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> and,
2: and a cup of noodles is for one person where ramen, one of those had to feed my sister and I. So Oh, yeah. And so we would yep. add things to it to make it more.
1: Yep. Yep. Mm. Yep. Yeah. We used to do that in college sometimes. But, yeah, I don't think I could deal with that stuff anymore, man. Yeah. I, I should be grateful that I don't have to. Right. Yeah.
0: I'll get you some crazy Guamanian prison recipes for, for spam ramen. You're going oh, to flip your li- flip <laughs> your wig.
2: <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, what I thought is that well, Chef Boyardee's, we can all agree, is pretty gross. But she went wrong with getting the raviolis. You have to just get the O's. Right. And add some Cheetos in there, and then it's a perfect meal. Mm-hmm. Cheetos? <laughs> That's great. It's like a white trash snack
1: that I... I never would have thought of that. That's oh, amazing. I mean, it's, it's not great. good. It's not good. Yeah. It's terrible, <laughs> right. but... Yeah. It's so full of sodium and preservatives. <laughs> <Right>. Yum. <laughs>
0: well, the last thing I want to say about the clip, and I'll give you a chance, Phyllis, if you had anything else, but um, I I know, Christy, you're a fan of Last Man on Earth. hmm <laughs> As Emily and I are watching it and the season finale just happened. If you haven't watched it, it's like 10 episodes. Just watch it. It's great. Um, and Phil Miller is the hero of last man on earth. He is the titular character, I guess. Is that Mm -hmm. how you say it, Phyllis? Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. Yep. Okay.
0: Not, not to get all (laughs) to answer yourself question, (laughs) question question my own usage. All right. (laughs) The titular character, Phil Miller, last man on earth. Um, He's just an awful person and he's a liar and he, he, he will do anything to get laid and to manipulate people. <laughs> and, and I just thought Jason is the anti Phil Miller. Yes, Jason would be a yeah. great character on that show. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, good one.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's great.
0: <laughs> just this guy who you can't even believe he's for real. Right. You can't, you can't, you know, come on. No one's this nice. Knock it off. Phil Miller would just, he'd be vexed by Jason.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah, Jason was so principled about the whole thing that he, you know, they decided together that they didn't want to use their relative advantage over other people to, Oh, um, I know. Come on. (laughs) To endanger them. And they, they were making themselves vulnerable by deciding in advance. If someone came to the home hat in hand, they would help them. Um, But it was, Clear from Luke's line of questioning that if, if it had been more menacing than that, they wouldn't have really been yeah. able to yeah. do anything about it because oh, they had their no spaghetti bullets. Be gone. I know. Well, so here, sad. Here's,
0: the, here's what um here's my plan. Because mm-hmm. I'm a ex felon, I'm not allowed to own guns. I don't okay. even like guns. Emily doesn't mm-hmm. have guns. Mm-hmm. Um I'm in Texas and mm-hmm. the the apocalypse is gonna mean there's a lot of guns around. So I since I can't have those, what I need to have is the ability to manufacture and keep cold during this this post-apocalyptic wasteland Mm -hmm. ranch dressing. If I control (gasps)
1: that, (laughs) I control everything. Yes. Well, yeah, because you can both... Um, barter with it and menace people with it. Yes. <laughs> it's a weapon yes. and Those impressive. that don't
0: care for the ranch dressing, <laughs> yeah. I will menace them.
1: Yeah.
0: I thought Regans, you were
2: going to say bullets. Back off. I thought you were going <laughs> to say bullets, but ranch. No. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Just the, just the <sighs> idea of the, the mayonnaise and the heat of Texas <sighs> with no air
0: conditioning. Yep. Ugh. A little full fat buttermilk mayonnaise <laughs> and some sprinkly packets and <sighs> I'm, I'm, King of Quebecs. So
2: th- the the story of Jen and and Jason, along with the Last Man on Earth, is the reason why I, if anything happens, I just want to die first.
1: Yeah. I give
2: everyone permission right. to steal all my stuff and kill me.
1: Right? Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. Enjoy, enjoy. I'll, I'll tell you where the good stuff is. <laughs> oh, no. Where I buried all that money. Everyone's always asking. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, all Mike, right.
2: you should have robbed from the Y2Kers that all had their money stashed away in their houses instead of banks. Right, right but, but the gold Camaro wouldn't the have yards. gotten
0: to eastern Washington. How am I going to get through the pass?
1: <laughs> they were up to that all biz right. in Whatcom County, too.
0: <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Yep. The further yeah. you get away from Seattle, the crazier. Yeah. And uh, and they're still rooting. They're, they're burying school buses while we're talking. Yeah, Let's not totally. kid ourselves.
1: <laughs> yeah, all right, uh
0: housekeeping. Um we need to get a green grasshoppers update. This is uh, <laughs> this is Chrissy's and Jeremy's T ball team, uh, oh, which yeah. their four year old uh, uh girl, Ellie yes. plays. Um how did the game go last week? It went pretty terrible, Mike.
2: Um oh, we, no. this, this week we played <laughs> the bats. And I think they're the purple. bats. Are they bats. the black
0: bats? Purple. P- purple. Bats. Okay.
2: And they did have two girls on the team, so we've seen two other girls. They, um, they were worse than us, so that's kind of nice. In that <laughs> they, and it was picture day first, then an hour, then practice. So those kids could not handle. I mean, butterflies and making dirt piles were more exciting than anything that mm-hmm. was happening. Um, <laughs> but so the first week. They were playing something that Ellie likes to call battle ball, which is um Jeremy throws the ball and then they tackle each other to get it. And so we tried to teach them, call, call that it's yours and and by doing that we did, you know, hey, uh, whatever your name is, catch this ball and and none of them caught it. It would just land in <laughs> can, front of them. Can you say
0: YOLA Tango? <laughs> so Can when, you um, say yo la Tango?
2: Tackling Good. each other to <laughs> No one will even do it, and then they would just walk away or sit down. Or Uh, is it time for? And then one of the parents brought out snacks, and it was done. Like we just yeah, the the game's over once snacks come out. what are the restrictions
0: (laughs) on snacks these days? Well, that's funny. There are like three things
2: you can possibly bring. Well, that's funny. (laughs) We we've never really had snacks. I I just kind of assume that's what. The parents are supposed to feed their own kids, but then a parent asked if we could bring snacks, so we had to, you know, send out that does anyone have any allergies? Email, mm. but there was a restriction on they can't have Gatorade or juice; they're only allowed to have water.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That makes sense. I mean, we want to give ju- them pickle juice is ideal because it, it, it <laughs> uh, <laughs> replenishes. Yeah. We want to give the them fluid you're dew. losing during your t-ball game. You know? We want to <laughs> give them Mountain
2: Dew. Some, like, go-go oh, juice really? to, like, pick them up. Oh, uh, sure. Right. <laughs> juice them, literally. Yeah. <laughs> uh. So that's the green grasshoppers. Oh. Uh. Uh. So,
0: so um, you're not keeping score or, I mean, I'm, I, I want to keep some kind of a record here.
2: Yeah. Everyone everyone hits. Everyone hits. <laughs> you hit again if it's a foul ball. You run to first no matter what. And everyone, mm-hmm. the outfielders, throw to first. Um and then, the next the next hitter goes to first, and everyone goes around the bases, and the third person gets a home run.
0: All right. So, so you got your team's a Green Grasshoppers. Yes. You face the Purple Bats, yes. and who? What was the first team you faced? The Red Menace? What were they?
2: No, the <laughs> Pirates, and that was the that was the team that was kind of a shoe in. They had the dad that had the baseball shirt on, and the, the bat kid bag. with the
0: mustache, <laughs> right? <laughs> so so they were the they were the um the pirates were they yes. the black pirates were they the dread pirate roberts think, what were they
2: i think we're just called the grasshoppers but um ellie likes to say the green grasshoppers
0: oh so this is entirely an ellie creation the green yeah this is
2: a, yeah she has a lot of creations okay. and that's because her Aww. shirt is green
0: ah uh, okay
2: yeah. Okay.
0: Well, <laughs> okay. Makes my world makes more sense now. Um, <laughs> Mike, you need well, the, to come to the, the Mariners
2: other- game and come out to see the Green Grasshoppers play. It'll probably yeah. be, a better Absolutely. Game. be a better game. Absolutely.
0: I'll probably do a lot more drinking there than I will right. at the Mariners King.
2: You wouldn't be the only one.
0: <laughs> right. Right. Got my, uh, got my mug full of, uh, mm-hmm. some outlet Malbec. All right. So, uh, the other thing I had for housekeeping the TBT a thon Uh, as you're hearing this, the next show of TBTL is going to be the beginning of the TBT a thon And please, Give generously and don't question where it's going. I saw somebody on Facebook going, well, what's the breakdown is what's this going to the guys and what goes to infinite gas network. Do you want me to delete
2: them from the page?
0: Yeah. yeah. Okay. And and don't, don't freaking worry about that. You're giving money so that you can keep getting this show. And for free five days a week. Right. Right. And however that happens, let's, let's take it easy. Right. You know, like, I'm going to definitely stop my donation start it again so I can get some of that stuff, you know, because <laughs> that's the kind of petty person I am. I want the stuff. I want to take the Andrew doll and the Luke doll mm-hmm. and get get all weird with it. Of course. No,
2: voodoo. They have to be voodoo dolls. Someone's going to do that.
0: Oh, vo- I didn't even thought of voodoo. I was just thinking of posing them in different ways and sending pictures out, things like that. Anyway, um... Give generously. And what I'm hoping is that this show, LRB, becomes, becomes such an institution that by the next TBTL-a-thon, that you're able to like check some box, like when you send in your tax return, like, do you want a dollar of your 1200 to go to poor Jeremy who has to stay up all night and edit this bullshit? You know, and that's how, I, that's actually how I want it worded. I like it. <laughs> so next next year folks let's have our eye on that you know maybe we can maybe we can be that check a box that everyone looks at and goes oh fuck no <laughs> Sorry,
1: Aiden. i'm excited to get my first piece of tbtl swag i can't wait oh. i can't wait to find out what the offerings are i know i'll get my mariners shirt first yes. my tbtl that Mariner was my shirt first,
2: that was my first tbtl swag the first one.
1: Oh, awesome oh Phillip- cool.
0: Phyllis, let me get your address and I'll just crumble up one of these Frisbees I have and just mail it to you. (laughs) Okay.
2: (laughs) It's disintegrated because his dog ate half of (laughs) it. Oh,
1: no. (laughs) Yeah, I want all that cool stuff.
0: All right. So um, how do people get involved with the show? Well, the website is littleredbandwagon.com where you can go and fill out the form just like Phyllis did, just like Lauren did, Bruce did, Lynn, everyone before them did And you will get on the show if you give us a nice story on what clip you're interested in and you can actually point us to it. You get extra points for that. Facebook, go to the Stens page and post something about us there. That's fine. Or to our page. We'd like to have more activity over on our page if you want to post there. Personal Twitters, mine is at Drew McFrizz, D-R-E-W-M-C-F-R-I-Z-Z. And Christie's is at Kissy Eyes, at K-I-S-S-I-E-Y-E-S. Our show Twitter is at LRB Podcast. That uh, basically goes to Jeremy. And if you want to send him free stuff, that's really what he's all about because uh, he claims poor. And that's why we're going to have to get some money out of this show eventually because he's cracking up.
1: <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no.
0: <laughs> he's oh. under a lot of stress at work. And yeah, and this free job of his is another source of stress. So. Come on, folks. Um Just send them a nice message at LRB Podcast. You can email us at littleredbandwagon at gmail.com if you want to sharpshoot us about anything. Christy sees those emails, and if anything's pertinent to me, she'll uh, forward it to me. But uh, that's a good way to communicate with the show without actually wanting to appear on the show. Voicemail, 802-432-TBTL. That's 802-432-8285. And that's all I have for tonight. Phyllis, I really appreciate you coming on. Sorry we kept you so long. I'm sorry about the tech difficulties, but (laughs) it was totally worth it. And we love you.
1: Oh, I love you guys. I love the show. This is so much fun. Thank you for inviting me.
2: You'll have to come back as you work your way through through the episodes.
1: I would love to, when I hit a milestone of some sort, I will contact you. I will fill out the form at <laughs> LittleRedBandWagon.com.
0: Yes, because Phyllis, if you don't fill out that form, you're dead to me. <laughs>
1: right. I need to follow proper procedures. Yes. That's
0: right. That's right. <laughs> oh, jeez. Christy, Christy, <laughs> Christy this, is the, this is the part where you bring it home.
2: Until next time, this is the next party.
0: And we love you, Jen.
1: Nailed it.